In this episode, Ryan and I discuss the myth that numbers speak for themselves and the online marketing of whole life. We had fun and hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Bank with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nettery. <laughs> I'm, I'm your co-host, Ryan <laughs> Griggs. <laughs> I caught him off guard. You know, he's right in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Uh, no, he told me that he was practicing grace today and it just brought a chuckle. Really? Is that why you're chuckling, right? <laughs> oh, let me start this clock. <clears throat> yeah, I'd like to see that too. Okay, so as usual, you know, I don't have a topic. And you know what? I don't need a topic. With this young man, I mean, we can come up with, I think, some interesting conversation. And I appreciate, we appreciate you listening. Um, even the life insurance agents and the financial advisors. We appreciate you listening. You know, take what you like and move on with the rest, right? Um, I'm practicing grace. So is that, a, does I that have, apply to our, our friends in the online hater groups? Um, well, you know, I mean, I don't throw pearls before swine. Okay. So, um, and what he's talking about is part like, of the grace. Yeah. Uh, I love this. The last thing that, you know, when people send this to me, right. Um, the last one, the commentary was, you know, I, one of the admin guys that can spell IBC uh, who didn't make it through my process and didn't make it through your process. Right. And then the other admin who's a engineer, God bless him. I love engineers until they try to, you know, cross blur the lines, you know, you're going to over-engineer a life insurance policy. Anyway. Okay. To get to an hour. Anyway, they said that they proved us wrong with an enforced illustration of his own policy. Yeah. Wow, an, an illustration. So, yeah, I mean, I am practicing a lot of grace with them. As a matter of fact, and, may, and maybe we don't, maybe we don't go into that enough. And maybe there's an impression that it is possible to like prove general principles with illustrations, and maybe that's because I part of me sort of doesn't. It's like I understand. I want to say that I don't understand why they do it, but I do understand why they do it. But it will tell us why. Don't leave us hanging. Well, because you can get the numbers to you know you can get a you can get the illustration to print where it will say that the policy, as illustrated, is not a modified endowment contract, and utilizing various particular term writers, and by allocating a certain amount to PUA premium as opposed to base you can achieve you know what is what is heralded as what is heralded as what is ostensibly a preferred outcome which is higher cash value as early as possible high cash value as early as possible right eliminating the illiquidity early on as quickly as quickly as possible and that's supposed to be good so there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to that argument right so one there's an implicit assumption that maximum cash value relative to premium as early as possible is a good thing. So there's that that assumption. We just that is jumped clean over, right? So and that's why I don't love the approach of which policy design is right or wrong. I think it's better to talk in terms of how does to what degree does po- a certain policy design align with your values. And in the context of IBC and Nelson Nash, 
the question becomes to what degree does a certain policy design given your age and circumstances align with Nelson Nash's values align with what's taught in becoming your own banker because if the idea is we're going to use the language of IBC and we're going to talk about doing infinite banking what that means Tech, well, what I think it means technically is to do what Nelson Nash taught. And I think a lot of times the viewer or the consumer of the online material will see the language of IBC and they connect that with what Nelson Nash wrote about because he is the one who came up with it. And the, the assumption, and it is an assumption and potentially an unfounded assumption. The assumption is that when people talk about IBC, they're talking about what is in Nelson's book. And because people who consume this material want to do what Nelson taught, they then listen to the people who happen to use the language of IBC. Sure. And they think that they're accomplishing the that implicit, sometimes unarticulated goal of doing what Nelson taught. Yeah. And that that all just doesn't hang together because there's nothing in becoming your own banker that says that maximizing cash value relative to premium as early as possible is a good thing. That's just a, that's not there. That isn't in, in fact, the opposite is there. Think long range. Don't be afraid to capitalize. Banking is. Banking is a process. The ba the the process of taking over con ownership and control of the banking function will last your entire lifetime. You know, the all the way to the illustrations that he does include in the book. They're over the theoretical lifespan of an individual. And a, a big part of the analysis is what happens late in that individual's life. Every And then there's a whole section. One of the five parts is on an even distribution of age classes. It's the intergenerational component. There's this whole, like, nothing about, he was a forester. He thought in increments of 70 years, like nothing in becoming your own banker is short-term oriented. And solving for the banking function meaningfully, optimally. And they, I mean, you can go to the economic side of things and talk about maximizing over the relevant time span and having some maximum cash value and death benefits over the relevant time span, which is one's lifetime and then beyond one's lifetime. That That is the framework. So the, the, and this is just the initial presupposition. This is just the initial assumption that pretty high cash level value. too i mean because you can get way off into the details down here i mean i get it that's why why do they you know do these things and of course it uh does not align with nelson you know doesn't align with nelson's work and and i've even heard many times in the past in the marketing of the marketeers as you call them the online the online noisemakers we won't even make you read. <laughs> you know, it's just mm -hmm. click over here. Um, but Nelson expressly says it's not about rates of return. Right. And yeah. then when you have those types of illustrations, which is not where to start when it comes to the infinite banking concept, and they take Nelson's work and then they bastardize it because they don't know. Maybe they've learned, but they don't know what they're looking at even when Nelson Nash used you know, Excel spreadsheets in this book. Um, anyway, and then they, and they'll tell you, you know, they, they'll maximize a policy design to get the highest internal rate of return. So you look at an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and full of numbers, and it's projecting out into the future 
with all the disclosures and the disclaimers on the other, you know, 15 to 27 pages of the illustration that's not really discussed or talked about most of the time. So you're looking at these numbers on the, uh, excuse me, you're looking at these numbers on the tabular detail. And it assumes that nothing changes. Dividends don't go up. Dividends don't go down. The premium doesn't go up. The premium doesn't go down. And okay, whenever, like in that one particular comment, that's like, I proved them wrong on my illustration. And he, I believe he named the company. I proved them wrong with an enforced illustration of my policy. Okay. And that enforced illustration should say, the contract says, and the original illustration absolutely says, that this illustration has violated our guidelines mm-hmm. in the second through the tenth year and after the tenth year. And we retain the right to require um, up to the uh, – we may – we have the right to require additional underwriting to be able to pay those premiums. So whenever we have our conversations, and I'm going to, this is like to the point here. Let me see the time marker on there, please. It's like, um, however the policy is designed, and it is not based on a structure and internal rate of return. It's based on the consumer, the client's position, what they want to do, their abilities, their cash flows, their health, and blah, 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 everything that they're trying to do. And it is not a one-size-fits-all. But in our conversations over and over and over and over and over and over and over, it's like, you want the contractual right to pay a premium as long as possible. Now, when there's a, a provision in the contract with a disclaimer on the illustration that is not a contract that says we reserve the right to require additional underwriting beyond the first year. Tell me yeah. who has the contractual authority to do what? <laughs> All right. So what you proved that you can ask the life insurance company for an enforced illustration. Oh, wow. I'm a, oh my gosh. That's almost as difficult as you stumbling through your life insurance license exam. <laughs> Okay, I, I mean, no, I'm it, still practicing grace. Well, so something occurred to me as you're going through that. You know, there's this, and it's so typical. I think prob- this is part of the reason why it irritates me with with the back with the economic background is that there's this idea that you know just show me the numbers. Oh, the, yeah. you know the you've heard this saying the data speak for themselves. You know, uh, I don't need theory. We don't need to consider the the logic we don't need to consider the strategy we don't need to get into all that just show me the number the yeah, numbers sure. speak for themselves no they don't right um <laughs> for one and, and, and you can you can prove that logically right the numbers can't speak for themselves because the the selection of the numbers themselves in the first place assumes some sort of value framework Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't look at certain numbers. Right. It's the idea that perception in the first place presumes some sort of theoretical value oriented judgment system. So it's the idea. My my point is the idea that the numbers speak for themselves 
is internally contradictory. It involves a performative contradiction. Like if you're just looking at the numbers, well, something went into selecting the numbers and what went into selecting the numbers wasn't numbers. It was theory. It was a reason. Which is the absolute crux of the problem. And let me say, before I get to that, what irritates me is someone bastardizing Nelson's work. And it's like, um, I don't even, I ask myself, why, why do I get irritated? You know why? I don't care what people do. They can do whatever they want to do. Um, okay, but by all means, go do whatever it is you want to do. But why? But why do you want to bastardize someone's work when you don't even? Oh, because you want to get paid. I got it. And so I love what I love. I love where you're going because that is the crux of the problem with the 1090, with the cryptocurrency, with the HELOC. With all of these, with the life insurance, line of credit, all of these machinations that were created in someone's mind because they didn't have the ability to convey the power of becoming your own banker. They didn't have the knowledge or understanding or the practical knowledge or the application over time of life insurance. That's where it comes from. And it centers on one's thinking. They're not thinking long range. They are afraid to capitalize. If you have to get everything out or access to everything in year one, you're afraid to capitalize. I've said it many times. If that's your thinking, if if you if you love these 1090, and I've said it before, if you like 1090, which they're not even honest on that because it generally comes out to 8515 and or whatever. But go down to it's 964. It's just anti-base. It's anti-base, but it's anti-banking. It's anti-everything. Yeah. A- everything that Nelson taught. So I'm, I love it because somebody's thinking had to go into those numbers. The numbers don't speak for themselves. Those numbers were created. And, and it's really uh, you're playing games with numbers on a page. Mm-hmm. So somebody can say yes and be damned. The philosophy, the mm-hmm. nuance the actual contractual rights and who holds them that are behind those numbers. There's so much more than that. And then you kind of saw for an internal rate of return. I've seen one guy's like, uh, I won't use this company because they don't do an internal rate of return analysis or with their illustrations. Some States <laughs> I'm spitting like my father. Right? <laughs> Look, who's a great man of honor. I love very dearly missing. Um, Many states don't allow an internal rate of return on a life insurance illustration. Wonder why? Because your daddy and your granddaddy probably did this kind of work. That's why. My opinion. Observation. Well, life insurance. Now I'm getting like personal, huh? Uh, life insurance isn't an investment. <laughs> so I, the, the internal rate of return, that for, fortunately, more and more of the people who will contact my office will go through the uh, whole life insurance mechanic series that I did, and I think that helps um, explain where I'm coming from on this. The uh, it's just a category error. It just means that you're mistaking whole life for an investment, and thereby using what we think of as ordinary investment analysis tools to understand whole life. Even then. The idea that uh, rate of return—it's it's, again—that's a show me the numbers thing. You know, what's what's the number? Just show me the data. The data speak for themselves. Um, because I like it I'm when not. I'm, say I'm the not. Structure doesn't matter. It does matter. Because I'm not. I'm not convinced that uh, 
observing the difference in magnitude between two numbers counts as financial analysis. <laughs> no. You know, it's kind of like a quip. It's like, ooh, I can get to money at 3% and I can go invest at 8. 8 minus 3 is 5. 5 is a positive number, therefore I should do it. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't, that is technically wrong. Like that is, it is a, it's okay, it's economic value added, right? We want to have a rate of return that exceeds the cost of capital. We want to have economic value added. I'm all for that. That is in Nelson's book. But EVA is necessary, but not sufficient to warrant an investment decision. The 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 it's the idea of opportunity cost. I'm gonna talk about this at the think tank. The the decision is not between is not a matter of analyzing the rate of return compared to your cost of capital. The the decision should be the proposed rate of return on the project that's proposed to the next best alternative. And what the next best alternative is, is unknown to some degree. It's, it's either totally just completely unknown because you haven't thought of it at all, or it's something that's relatively amorphous out in the future that requires some serious investigation. And then so the proper uh, decision for how to deploy a certain amount of capital is between two alternative potential projects. It's not the return of the one proposed project to the cost of capital. That's just one part of the analysis. And so to say, oh, the numbers speak for themselves. It's like, no, you've you've assumed that the project in front of you is the the, the proper best option right. to which to apply your capital. That assumption is unwarranted unless you've gone through and evaluated the various opportunities, which might include the consideration of where we are in the business cycle, what's likely to happen in the future, the value and importance to you of having ongoing access to capital for who knows what, right? We wanted to, we talked briefly beforehand about talking about what goes, how to manage these policies and what to do if things go wrong sort of thing. And what to do if things go wrong requires uncollateralized cash value. So like, there's a there, there's value in liquidity and and if the numbers speak for themselves okay do your numbers account for the value of liquidity what is that number where is that cell on your excel spreadsheet where did that number go on the illustration what what's the value of increasing access to even more uncollateralized cash value for a long time Where's that number if the numbers speak for themselves? The numbers don't speak for themselves. Even if they did, you don't have all the numbers in the first place. So if the numbers are speaking for themselves, they're only telling part of the story. So I think a lot that those kinds of thoughts are what go into my dislike of that. And it's partly you mentioned bastardizing Nelson's work. Fair enough. I agree. It's also, though, not in the best interest of the client. I, I, and this idea, is, here's another popular thing online, which all of this numerical, show me the numbers type, type stuff indulges. The idea of just give the, the customer what they're asking for, right? The, the thing to do as an entrepreneur or as a capitalist is to survey the consumer and let's try to figure out what the consumer wants and let's give them what they want. That assumes that the consumer knows what they want. When you go to the cardiologist to have a surgery performed on your heart, you don't tell the cardiologist what to do. You don't express your consumer preferences to that particular service provider so he can give the customer what he wants. 
No, you see, you have an awareness of your own lack of understanding and you seek out expertise to become better informed and served in a way that you otherwise wouldn't have been. And who doesn't want that? By the way, when I go to have my car serviced, listen, I don't need to know how the fuel system works. I don't even know how any of it works. I want the person with the expertise to properly provide the service. And I don't express my... the guy who mows your lawn to work on your car? No, thank you. He doesn't have a lawn. I'm just saying. I don't. Yeah, thank you. Rub that in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Listen, listen. It's like, uh, you know... It's just easier for me, the agent there it advisor. Is. There it is. Okay, to to number one, figure out how to manipulate an illustration and get to these real simple, you know, Look here's at an the internal rate of return. Yeah, There's, yeah. It's you know, uh, you know, and, and then then the consumer, which I mean, we're all limited in time. I get it. And we only have so much time to, you know, spend on things like this. But when it comes to your money, it might be worth the time to investigate correctly. Right. And then you say correctly. Well, what does that even mean? All the things that you can, you just type in IBC on Google and see what comes up or Nelson Nash or any of them. That's why I say alignment. And, And I know, and all the ads come up and these people are paying for the opportunity to get in front of your face and show you these simple things just i love the one it's like just send me an illustration we'll beat everyone and, yeah. it, and it all goes to the internal rate of return it's like a chop shop like an illustration yeah but don't call me when it's shop. done or don't call me when something's wrong don't call me when i'm in paraguay or you know on my <laughs> way to hawaii closing a deal in in europe yeah <laughs> okay i mean hell don't even call them if you want to enforce illustration because they're going to call the company whatever and i don't really mean to disparage them but you know obviously well i digress it is so simple to look at oh this number's bigger than that number a little bit of understanding of what goes on behind the illustration is okay and a lot of understanding of the contract that you own because a life insurance policy is a contract understanding those provisions Right, and your contractual rights. Authority, as you say quite often. Yeah. I'm going to make a, a, I've told you about this. I'm going to make a company analysis. All the forms that all the companies use with the public are public information. There's a database, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. It's a weird acronym where you can get all of it. Right, these are all template documents. Right, you can get the policy contract language, you can get the illustration language, you can get the actuarial notes that go into justifying the freaking numbers. It's all public information. Not easy to find. You got to sift through the database. Got to know how to look for it. Got to know which attachments. There's a whole lot of forms. They're not properly named. Right, they're just sort of the mundane like file types that you'd see that you have in your own computer. But it's all there. And so I'm going to do like a course after this book is done this month and we're in February of 23. Once the manuscript's done, I'm going to do like 10 of the major names of the insurance companies and not all of which even care about IBC, but just to have a spectrum of comparison. And we're going to line up all the language 
Look at the, the language, the terms and conditions governing the PUA riders. We'll look at the types of term. We'll look at the types of whole life products. And then, you, and if you want, you can go look it up yourself. But you get, you'll get an, an, an illustration uh, of the range of contractual authority. And that's one, uh, there is a YouTube video on my channel already about the five criteria used to evaluate companies. Because if you take this approach of the contractual authority and the terms and conditions matter, that's going to affect the companies you might want to work with. What? Because they all what? are different. And it turns out that, <laughs> so happens, that a lot of the illustration shop shops have PUA show illustrations with PUA writers that are the least flexible in the business. And people have no, but they have no conception of that because the sales process was just that, a sales process. It was, tell me the number, mm -hmm. give me the email address, give me the age, give me the name mm -hmm. so I can send you an illustration, an application. You say, yes, we can get through underwriting, get it delivered. There was nothing about, hey, what? Again, the numbers don't speak for themselves. There was nothing about the theory that goes into why that company in the first place. Uh, so maybe that'll help people. Um, Maybe it will. I mean, that's a that's a that would be a great work, you know. I mean, it's, that's a lot of information. Um, and let me tell you what: there's a lot of people at the NAIC. God love them. I'm glad they're there. And there's a lot of people in the home offices of life insurance companies that would do well if they would read Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. They would do very well if they watched his six and a half hour video of him giving his presentation live which is really him going through his book i understand they won't and my point here is that's a lot of information and it can be very helpful but then it's like there's more than that information well sure that would be really helpful i mean if they understand that which i mean i'm, I'm just saying that that is a good work and that information is should be available right and and to have someone like yourself like present it and in an educated way without trying to shuffle someone down a sales process right. would be very beneficial. And then all of the other information that's available through the Nelson Nash Institute, I think on my channel and your medium blog and your book that's coming out, um, Nelson's two books. I mean, I'm not going to, that's the foundation His six and a half hour video series, Nelson Nash and this other there's enough information out there to make solid decisions, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, that's not to say there's enough information. You know, all of you listening that that uh, are agents or advisors and practice the infinite banking concept, um, create create some work. You know, go start a YouTube channel. Go write a book. And I'm not talking about a glorified sales pamphlet. Right? Th those are out there ad nauseum there's not enough good content is my point and it's like you don't have to write as uh, well as ryan griggs right he can sit down and and publish an article in 30 minutes or the morning or in the afternoon and just knock it out of the park like the memo that was which i don't want to mention the life insurance company's name they're already they're all out there that their opinion a memo to their agents all of their financial advisors. You wrote an article on that. David published it in Bank Notes just yesterday. And uh, how long did it take you to write that? 
An hour. An hour. So, and I'm just saying, you know, you have the ability, he has the ability, he has the background to do that. Doesn't, shouldn't prevent you from writing, right? Or, you know, all the podcasts that exist out there shouldn't prevent you, let it motivate you to um, create good, solid content. I'm not talking about the chop shops. I mean, these these analogies that you come up with, I love them. The marketeering, and I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about really your experience with the infinite banking concept, you becoming your own banker. Just start there. Tell us what you did. People mm-hmm. want that. Um, I was talking to a guy who uh, <laughs> is uh, <clears throat> under the contract. I was going to say mentored, but he's not mentored, so that's the wrong word. Under the contractual array or umbrella of is a client or an agent familiar. no this is an agent and um he's really struggling and didn't not getting any real hands-on ass- assistance and very typical uh not multi-level marketing but it's you know yeah I'll i got you, multi-level I'll, marketing based their idea off of the life insurance industry yeah like, I'll, so, I'll give you a contract you bring me people and i'll be your social credibility in the meeting kind of thing oh and my gosh we'll manage to get them to sign an application how I mean, many times do you see that over and over and over yeah this really, is just the latest sorry yeah it's just like and so he's not too happy of course the man the upline the agent who was at the top of this whole organization wouldn't explain the guy's compensation structure to him. I mean, he would, he would just asked to have documentation. Wouldn't even provide documentation. I'm like, how many red flags do you need? I mean, do you see any other color? You know, uh, <laughs> do you see any other color? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. but he doesn't know the alternative. Oh, and um, so I get to talking to him. I'm like, you know, everybody wants to be all things to all people. They want to be you know, the advisor. Wants to be able to help anybody and everybody right my arms are open i can just help everyone and i think that is so opposite of a highly effective and productive and profitable way to do business i think it's much i think the idea of the riches are in the niches is so much better you know um frankly in this business the uh and a lot of the you know the illustration chop shop people are the ones doing this right they use the numbers don't lie. It's all in the data. Just look at the numbers is a way to appeal to a mass audience, right? And that's high volume, high turnover is that business model, which, so I'm not interested. Look, for me as an agent, I think I probably have fewer on average clients than most people do in a given time frame, whether it's in a month or a year. It's not a lot. Uh, and I'm, really good with that because the people who do come are those who align with me very closely they've they've spent a lot of you watching this know because you're my clients you've spent a lot of time a lot of your precious valuable time listening to this podcast reading the medium blog looking at the whole life insurance mechanic series reading nelson's books listening to some of these things over and over again i got guy now he's probably listened to my mechanic series 10 times right yeah yeah I know. God bless him. Um, (laughs) And so then those people, then those people, no, then those people come and things work out really. I mean, it's such a thorough understanding. Life is so natural and organic and easy. There's so much overlap. And 
that's like that's nirvana i mean it's exactly how jordan peterson brings up the idea of a pareto distribution a lot it's the, you know the idea that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 20% of the customers bring 80% of the profit. And so, and maybe the exact percentages are just generalized, you know, but you can get more narrow, more and more narrow, you know, 5% of the listeners become the clients that are responsible for 95% of the revenue, this kind of thing. Uh, that's true, like everywhere, right? The, the, the value is in those niche, deep, uh, thorough, well thought out niches, and when you can get alignment there, great things happen. So to the agents, I'm talking to this guy. And I'm like, you know, I see, I see people, they want to be all things to all people, just look at the numbers, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you, you know, none of them will talk about, you know, how IBC works for the 35 to 45-year-old in Michigan who works in heating and air conditioning. Like, where's that? Who's the guy online who talks to the HVAC business owner where's the guy online who talks to no i mean like only i mean like that's your oh, deal only? like you go online and that's your thing you're gonna walk through the financing of the equipment the financing of the vehicles the purchasing and the the expansion of the franchise right who, who specializes in that who knows the language of that particular industry who has some professional experience in that industry Wh who's that guy on ibc in ibc online crickets nobody who's the who's the one who i have a guy doing this now who's the one who makes it his mission to explain the biblical foundation of ibc hmm. and that's all he does who's that oh no one doesn't exist yet okay who's the one who goes through and explains how ibc is an alternative to traditional and uh, retirement planning for teachers oh nobody okay so all of these things that no one's doing these are the opportunities and you know it's the idea of your own unique ability it's the idea of doing the uh, utilizing your particular gifts that other people don't happen to have utilizing your own particular experience that that's where you go and you focus and you press in on that i mean so i do my thing is the economic thing and i might get a little polemical at times but that's my thing that's what i like to, i mean i it's a that's what I do. And so that well, works for a PhD student. That works for some people, you know, you like it. Yeah. It's okay. No apologies needed. I'm we not apologizing. We appreciate that you like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't apologize. <laughs> well, the uh, HVAC, whomever, what about, you know, all the car dealerships that you drove by in the last week? Look at all that product, all those cars, trucks. I don't even care. The RV places, you know, look at all that product on the lot. Somebody's financing that. Somebody's yeah. flooring that. All right. So it's, it, I mean, I grant it, you can get as detailed as you want, but you go to Nelson's becoming your own banker and equipment financing, just move the zeros around. That guy was financing, you know, trucks and bulldozers, yeah. tree shears. I don't care what you're financing at what business, you know, whether it's, you know, a million dollar in HVAC equipment. It's like every business. It has a need of capital, and it's just so simple. Um, where's your capital going to reside, and how much of that banking function do you want to control as it relates to you? Who's the gatekeeper between you and your capital, your operating capital? You look, I seen a clip of uh, Elon Musk the other day, 
and he was uh i don't know he was it was a clip out of a conversation and and he was basically saying i think he got sued by the sec and in this little clip you know he was explaining he said well we needed operating capital the bankers told me that I had to plead on the SEC deal. Wow. We weren't going to have operating capital. I should, I'm, hopefully I've saved that somewhere. But, I, you know, I had no idea. It just came up, and it's like, think about that. I don't care who you are. You need access to capital. And if you're a business, you need operating capital, right? So, it, and it's so simple. I mean, it's just so simple to control the banking function. If you just fundamentally, you know, understand the infinite banking concept, what's really going on in in your personal life, your money, your cash flows, where are you putting your money? How are you financing the things that you're currently purchasing? Even at home, you don't have to be a big entrepreneur. You don't have to be in business. Um, every household needs access to capital. Who's the gatekeeper? You know, and eliminate the gatekeeper. You said it earlier, banking is, banking is eternal. Banking is the most profitable business on the face of this earth. No wonder you haven't been taught about the importance of banking. No wonder. Who's shocked? Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. Um, And so the idea of getting caught up in marketing and and just, it's real fundamental. Some work, a couple of books, a couple of hours on video. And see, just vet it for yourself. See if it doesn't make sense. And then if it does make sense, bypass all the clickbaity stuff. You know, the tripwires and the, you know, 1495 personal secrets. We found the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, a hack, banking hack, and all of that stuff. You know, you don't have to go behind a $1,400 paywall that's discounted to $995 today. Right, you don't have to pay, you know, five dollars to get online training by somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. You don't. I mean, you can spend a couple hundred dollars. You know, maybe you under five hundred. Spend as much money as you want uh, buying marketing material. Well, we talked uh, previously. Some of these gurus out there, their top, their top rung is a hundred grand. They hadn't made a hundred grand in their lifetime, and they're asking people to make a hundred grand payments to their training. I digress. Okay, I don't. You know, it's like really. I'm just saying, a couple hundred dollars, under five hundred dollars, you can get a solid foundation. That's Nelson's first two books, a six and a half hour uh, DVD series, digitally available, available with your little plastic piece that you stick in a computer. You're, don't worry, your children have games. I was somewhere the other day with my wife, and uh, we're at a retail store. And something came up, and the young lady was like, she made it. It's really it was, it was a direct comment that that Im, implying that I would be a gamer. And I'm like, are there white headed gamers? And I was assured that there are. Hmm. I'm like, I don't. I was shocked. So I'm just saying, if you don't have a game box, your children have a game box, and you can put the DVD player, the DVD into that, and it'll play a DVD. That's my point, okay? And so under $500, you can get a solid foundation where you can avoid all of that other stuff. And then once you have a solid foundation, if you want to, you know, waste your money and and see what the other side's saying or, you know, get all the narratives, 
um, by all means, I know at the end of that, it gets old. Because the more you put your hand to the plow, the more you, you know, when you pay a premium, all of a sudden your attention goes up. All right, and then you start paying attention to the details and the nuance. And we uh, over 100 hours of video here. There's a lot of nuanced conversation on this podcast. And it's okay to listen to these episodes more than one time. When your attention goes up because your capital is in there, then contractual provisions matter. Right? Your thinking will actually develop and possibly change for the better unless you're trying to hack or game a system that gaming mentality Mm -hmm. i want to get something Mm -hmm. for nothing Mm -hmm. i found a secret hack that i can take advantage of the life insurance companies and and mutilate the policies and then present them in a very uh i mean these people are skilled online marketing they are freaking skilled because we get calls all the time in my office um anyway that thinking is the root of the problem the thinking that creates all that the thinking that latches onto that that thinking is going to change or not end very well mm-hmm. from my opinion and my experience mm-hmm. but we get calls all the time um and people you know and we'll i'll talk to anybody for 20 minutes right we get calls all the time and there's a lot of questions typically um but just as many times they're like, James, I've listened to this. I've listened to you over and over, and I've listened to this, 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 and this. And I'm all in. Just tell me what to do. And I'm like, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And the, but we still have a process that we go through. The other people that call in, they've not read Nelson's book. They've not listened to a series. They've not read anything or watched anything other than a couple of videos, and they're ready to go. And I'm like, my gosh, that's a good salesperson or marketeer. To convince somebody off of a, you know, a thirty-minute video, but they're not convinced. They're those people aren't. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not. No, no. Because they don't. How could they be? Yeah. They're just convinced that there's something good, right? And it's like maybe, or they're saying that. Yeah. I mean, I I, I wish I was good enough to convey the power in thirty minutes. When hell, it took Nelson ten hours in a seminar. They cut out three and a half hours. That six and a half hour available dvd which i'm not saying i think it was an abbreviated seminar it was his older when when he was towards the end of his seminar giving career they took a lot out of that i don't i I cannot i struggle to believe that there aren't other recordings of his earlier seminars oh i don't know i don't know how early i know i begged for him to uh video nelson and they never would so i started I have several recordings. So, I mean, what what's ta- what's 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 the hold up here? <clears throat> no hold up. I need some DVDs, some game boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Got some merch. Maybe come out with a little game box with like BWL on there, huh? Some t-shirts. Or just You got a game box, bro? Post it, you know. <laughs> just put it up there. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that you can get a, a thorough education, a solid foundational understanding without being drugged through all of the manipulative um, opportunities that are out there in this footprint. And you, uh, some, what you might look for when evaluating this stuff. If you go on these people's websites, somewhere on the sites will be the affiliate link. Right? Oh. The, the, men, the agent login. Right? The... Uh, 
the the access page for the commission revenue share affiliates and the just, other streams of income that yeah, are available yeah, yeah yeah just go look at that you know to go go explore that and then just reflect on the kind of business that would do these sorts of things right so you know 375 a month for your specialized agent training you know you're going to get all the videos and the hacks and the tools and the leads you're going to get the lead lead generation to me turn off you see that word bye <laughs> gone gone i don't care what it is gone uh you know the funnel the sales funnel the all that language swipe left um you know, did you want to be treated like a number? That's what they're, that they're telling you who they are. They're telling you what they do. They're telling you that they treat the industry, the customers as data because the numbers don't lie. By the way, that doesn't just apply in the sales presentation to you. It applies to how they run their business. What? And so the, 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 you, you are a number in a system that's responsible for contributing to a revenue generation percentage. Yeah, show of hands, how many want, want that, right? That's my, that's what I want out of my skilled professional advisor with whom I'm going to build a relationship. You know, I, uh, towards the end of the process as we're getting into an application, you know, I make sure to always stress, you know, listen, I'm here. I'm here. Right. Send me an email. Right. Contact us. Contact Policy Services if you want. There's the phone number. God bless you. Frontline, entry level, customer service representatives who don't know you and struggle to find the letters I, B, and C. That sounds harsh. Uh, is it wrong? There are good people at the companies and they're trying their best. But no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to apologize for my frustration on that. Like when you, when you have people at the companies who tell clients the wrong information. Yeah. Yeah. No. When you've got five to 10 day processing times to read a document and punch numbers on a keyboard. No, I'm Dude. out. So no, they have plenty of room for improvement. And my point I is, agree. my point is that I tell my client, call us, we'll mediate, we'll hand, serve it, whatever. And I'm here. And like, ongoing strategic administrative whatever we're here and this guy uh, yesterday is like ryan all i want you to, to do is talk to my kids uh you know his daughter new job doing well you know she's going to be ready it's like what do you think when would be the right time well we talked through that you know get, give her a year give her a year of income get her you know let her get used to the income generation how that feels what her margins are what she's spending like whether she likes it whether she's going to do a different job uh, whether she's going to stay and move up like what's all you know develop an economic a sense of economic awareness and then we'll go through so but that was what he wanted to make sure he conveyed was be there for my kids sure absolutely yeah where's that value on the page yeah mm. hmm. I'll yeah. tell you what <clears throat> that's real, you know, and our commitment to our clients has, has not changed. It's not wavered. You know, I mean, back in the day, I used to drive out to clients and their businesses and homes and what have you, um, traveled all over Texas and other, you know, states. Uh, and my commitment to them has always, some of those people are grandfathered. You know, I still go to their houses. New clients, you know, it's just not going to happen because of time constraint. You know, I mean. Well, are you going to go to your client's house in Rhode Island? I mean, dang. Maybe. I mean, do you have Rhode a Island? <laughs> no. <laughs> it depends on the season. Right? Um, you know, but that part of the commitment to be there is actually being there. Yeah. You know, and when. You've been in this business very long. 
you know, people graduate, mm. right? I remember the first one years ago, 20-something years ago, well, 15, 16 years ago, when my sister Julie came in. And uh, I, I came in one day, and she was crying. I'm like, what, what are you crying for? What are you doing? She just got off the phone. The client had died, and she had never, mm. you know, the – the child was the the was calling to you know how do we how do we follow what do we do yeah. yeah and so Julie was completely unprepared for that my point here is that's part of it you want to be there you know that's part of being there whether their children agree with what their parents have done or not whether their children agree with the we with each other um, the you know, the parents or the grandparents, how their assets flow is absolutely their choice. And everyone's different, but that's part of it. Whether the children or grandchildren or agree with what the clients did or, or our philosophy or not, they're going to cast help the check, them. aren't they? Huh? Huh? They're going to cast the check, aren't they? Oh, uh, you know it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I'm just saying that, but that's part of it. Your, your clients want you, you know, this is on the front end, this, this, child is very young going into the workforce just starting out um you know not well i guess it was last year longtime clients the last of there were two he graduated prior to her and she graduated last year um and she called my office from the hospital right jesus the children are like hey you know mom just wants to you know say hi and really she just wanted to say bye Talk to Julie. Talk to several Oof. people in the office that we've developed a relationship over the last fifteen plus years. You know what I mean? And it's real. So that's all they want, or that's part of what they want. They want you to be there for their children and grandchildren when they do graduate, and and rightly so. Um, that is that is literally part and parcel of the IBC. Is the that's what that's. And it, how IBC plays out is intergenerationally. It can be so easy. I'm not saying it's, it can be easy. You can, you know, simplicity is a virtue. You, as we age, we can simplify and, 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 and benefit from that. And still prosper. Yeah, absolutely. It could be. I, I like the idea of just organic. It's just organic. This happens naturally. I, I've had I had two in the last week. Current clients from within the past two years. Uh, hey, I'm ready for the next one. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get a call, schedule a call, have the call a few days later. Uh, yeah, here's the numbers. I'm, I'm thinking this much, and okay, income change. You know, a, so I want to say effortless. But natural. It's exciting too because don't they generally say this is why I'm thinking this? What do you think? You know, is yeah. this? You have like, a legit. Um, oh my gosh! You have a bona fide. I don't think people know that that's possible. I don't think they know that that's available in this industry. Is a genuine advisory conversation. Yeah. Where it's a conversation, so it's not instruction. It's not order taking. Yeah. It's a mutual back and forth. Hey, what's going on with you? What do you think about this? How would this work? Could we get this done? 
right? Genuine, bona fide. It's not one way, too. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not order taking, and it's not instructing. Right. I mean, you you will learn from your clients more than you ever imagined. Oh yeah, tell me what's going on. Like what are you up to? You know, what what is that investment strategy? Yeah. I mean, some people tell me these off the wall things. I was like, "Okay, sure, good." You know, <laughs> what's the cash flow like? You know, I can understand that. Um <laughs> and then to have a back and forth where you really flesh out, well, here you could do, and th- there are some that you can be creative like just because we say that you know have a firm view on on what it means to design a policy in accord with Nelson, what nelson taught doesn't mean that there's not like creative things to be done be it with convertible term or uh you know insuring others or uh being careful about company selection to accentuate flexibility in the pua and you know have control when the liquidity becomes available in the year in order to go do that thing that is only going to happen at a certain time. You know, like there's, you can get very strategic and precise and optimized and calibrated to someone's particular situation. And I don't, I don't know that people know that that's available. Mm. Uh, You wonder, it makes you wonder how many people experience it. Oh yeah. Well, like in this guy that I was talking to about earlier, who just was like, look, I just want you to talk to my kids. Great example of a unique situation had older policies, base only, not IBC oriented, 15 plus years old, has some inheritance coming in, has a few investment properties, has mortgages on those properties. Kids are uh, one in college, one recently out of college. The one recently out has is living in the property he owns. So you've got this array of he's got a pension right so she wife's got a pension so you've got the this array of different sorts of and timing of cash flows and this this balance sheet array different assets different liabilities and we can get really strategic about okay well let's let's think about the available margin what's the free cash flow that's available to pay premium what would that result in in terms of cash value what would that what would that mean in terms of policy loan availability what would that mean in terms of eliminating outside debt what would that mean in terms of freeing up additional cash flow what would that mean in terms of additional premium payment for more cash flow for more policy loans oh and by the way inheritance is coming in where do you put a big old windfall i don't know maybe a policy loan balance okay so what could we use a big old policy loan balance for maybe it's more real estate Hmm. And you put all that, you know, I just went through that in like two seconds, but you have that conversation over like five or six calls. Thanks for expanding for us. Okay. Well, well, I'm just saying like, that's what that can be like. And you can get the result can be this integrated strategic long-term perspective it's not a plan i hate planning right everyone wants to be a central planner and a tinker. it's not a plan it's not a financial plan it's a bona fide strategy it's you in a position of contractual control with full awareness of what's going on and to the extent that you you've come from the conventional over to the ibc world you are in a more uh, secure, more capable gr- position of greater authority to to operate all of that, to exercise authority over all of it, and then you know things happen when they happen. I had a question with, from a, a recent client. You know, tell me how late life passive cash flow works. You know, what are the restrictions? When do I have to take money? When you know, how long do I have to wait? How much is it? And I'm like, well, and I always this is kind of the initial preface to all this. I'm like, well, in whole life built for the IBC, uh, we have maybe an uncomfortable range of freedom that's very different 
than what you might find in the conventional planning framework, right? There's no waiting until 59 and a half. There's no RMDs by 72. Uh, how much you take and when you take it is up to you. And the way you do it is also up to you, right? Everybody, not everybody, people often want, what is the way? You know, how? what is the way I'm going to take cash late in life vis-a-vis yeah. -vis a policy? Well, it's like there isn't the way. You change a dividend election, do a partial surrender, take a loan. We don't know. There's trade-offs, right? Some are more flexible than others. Uh, some are easier, right? The, the, the conditions will affect your decision, and you don't have to make the decision now. And so we, you know, it could go through. Here's this is the range of possibilities, right? That's available to you later. Uh, and you'll the again this organic natural idea. The solution will be organic if you know what's going on. You'll know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And if all of that is done in a very long-term oriented context where we maximize the right but not the obligation to pay premium for as long as possible and we do things in the design phase now in order to preserve that contractual authority, then the numbers get bigger later in life. And who wouldn't want that? I mean, like, the isn't that the idea? Like, more and more? Like, regular... Uh, there's no perfection. That's not an option. So improvement is like is what we've got. That's the goal is improvement. And as much of it as possible. We all have an opportunity. That's for sure. Which, which is why I say with this alignment stuff, you know, I, 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 I can hear Nelson, man, like when I published that article on Gary North, he's like, take that down and then change his mind. Uh, you know, don't pick on these people. And I, I'm not trying to be combative or like pick fights or whatever. I'm really not. I mean, I don't care. It's, that's out there. It's available just like Jack in the Box is. I mean, have the quick and easy, the get it done, drive through, drive by, on the fly, anti-base, non-advising. <laughs> you know, that's available. I just, what I don't like is when people want to do what Nelson taught and the two are conflated. And I think it's unfortunate. And it's also happening with agents more and more yeah. who want mentoring. I'm not calling for agents. OMG, I am not recruiting right now. Uh, all I'm saying is that I have people who reach out who say, I bought this and that subscription program. I talked to the expert uh, insurance coach who doesn't have a license anymore because he can't have one. And uh, I paid X <laughs> amount of money. I paid X amount of money. Ugh. And, you know, he told me to deliver a policy without designing it. And I don't even know what that means. It's like, neither do I. Uh, you know, can you get a refund? Oh, probably not. Can't partially surrender that one, can you? Um, <laughs> that, that's out there. And it, it, it is so, yeah, it, it is irritating. But the it's what matters is the underlying point of value alignment you know do you want to do what nelson nash taught are you thinking long range are you unafraid to capitalize do you have a plan to repay policy loans right and then having that conversation in terms of your numbers with a very precise awareness of your contractual authority as opposed to what your obligations are uh, man things can be so good and that i think that's part of it is like things can be so good like i look at my system i just added one, two, three, four fourth I think it's the fourth policy. There probably be another one. Should be another one. Oh, your one. personal. System. Yeah, of my own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <coughs> and you look at all of it, and it's like because you know now some they're all, they're at different stages, you know, so they're in different processes, different points in their own little growth paths, and uh, you look at that, and it's like. 
Come on. Oh, and I wanted to bring this up a long time ago. I'm glad it's an hour in now. And it's oh my god. Um, there is a point for the recent uh, policy owner within the last three to five years, let's say, where they wake up one day and it dawns on them that the greatest concentration of capital for them is now in whole life. It's not in their house. It's not in the bank. Not in the retirement plan. Not in the retirement plan. It's in whole life. Yeah. That point <laughs> is, uh, I'm, I'm looking at like wonderful clouds passing by in the sky outside. It's so blissful. The, the sky breaks open. It's, it's the so sun is shining. It's so peaceful. It's like, <clears throat> wow. Yeah. I don't care what the market does. I don't care what the real <laughs> estate market does. Like I truly, I don't even happen to think what about, about it. interest rates ryan what about interest yeah rates? or you know the policy loan rate's going to change oh who cares i mean it's just it's like wow and then and then what's going to happen tomorrow oh there's going to be more of that mm. oh what's going to happen when the income goes up well then that's, there's going to be more premium there's going to be more of that mm. what happens in 10 years from now there's gonna be even more of that mm. like the multiples continue to increase and the longer i have the ability to pay into a policy the even better it gets because cash value growth is compounded mm. And so there's a point, there's a little point where that dawns and it's like, OMG. That's just one of many points. I know, but I want to draw attention to that because where we are in the proliferation of IBC education online is a lot of people doing IBC are brand new. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so this is going to happen, is happening, maybe recently has happened to a lot of people watching. Absolutely. And it's like, Oh, and suddenly the, the, all the advertisements, the, the onslaught of online advertisements of mailbox money, passive cash flow, retire in four and a half, 4.865 years, uh, you know, 18% annual rate of return. All, all of that is like, it's not even noise. It's muted. It's who cares? Who cares? You know, what, what, what is it that maybe I could do? What could I do, use my capital for in my own life doing things that I actually enjoy? And those very same people, <clears throat> look at that cash value. I'm not doing anything but paying a premium. That's mm. all I'm doing. And then they look at that and then they start looking at all these other quote unquote opportunities of what else could I be doing? And they look at their cash values, what their policy or policies is doing or are doing. And they're like, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Right. And then there's like that one that just stands out. I'm like, Oh, that's a beautiful opportunity. Maybe you're helping somebody or whatever the deal is. Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes total sense. Or is it would be fun. (gasps) What an idea. It could be fun. What and creative. I never had the ability to think that creative because I didn't have access to enough capital to be that creative. I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, the, I like, I love that because that's a clear parting of the clouds. Mm -hmm. All right. At that point, prior to that point, is uh, something along the lines of, I I know how much premium I'm paying. I've seen the original illustrations before we got started. 
But I didn't know I had access to that. Is that, I mean, have you, have you had those calls? Like, is this, am I, am I missing, am I missing something? Is that the real well, number? I've, I've had that in my own life. It's, <laughs> you log in to look at the cash, right? And it's oh. routinely greater. Yeah than what I thought it was yeah. or would be based on what I paid in. Cause I have this idea, oh, I put some money in, that's the money that's gonna be there. It's like, uh, no, there's gonna be, there will be more. And and, it, and more and more each year. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. <clears throat> and then the, uh, when you really, at whatever level, I don't care if you're just paying off the first credit card, I, I don't care what it is. When you're really taking over your debt, and I'm not, that is one thing that can be done. Oh, of course, becoming your own banker, right? So, uh, you know, to, to start the infinite banking concept, to get all the marketing programs, to get out of debt, you know, in four to seven years or whatever, that's all marketing to me. That's one thing that can be done, legitimately be done. Um, but whenever you're like paying off, absolutely taking over, that debt, whatever that debt was, that was a millstone in your mm. mind and on around your neck. You know, the apartment complex, the mortgage, the forty-seven thousand dollars in credit cards that you're paying twenty-eight percent on. Whatever the case Student may loans. be, huh? Student loans. Oh my gosh, that, that it you. The plan of deferring them for 20 years and paying interest and then hoping the government forgives that student loan is really not maybe in your best interest. I don't know. Um, I'm just saying there are lots of points along the way when you put your capital in, your money's in there, and now, oh, wait, you're not dependent upon the market. You're not dependent upon the interest rates. You know, you're accumulating capital, and then you're responsible, right, for taking action, deciding what opportunity is an opportunity and which one's not it's like milestones happen immediately and they continue they've not stopped for me i mean i uh about 18 years ago is when i met nelson they're, they're they don't stop for me i realize that i have not bought enough life insurance over these years and i thought i stretched myself about all i could stretch over the last yeah you know but i'm human so you told uh, me that recently i told you what that i'm human <laughs> no, that keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, if somebody and I don't only, and I and I I don't pay enough. I pay a lot of premium. I don't pay enough. The only one, the only one that would uh, question me on that, you know, how much premium you're paying, and not even that directly, is you know, the conversation was always. Um, to it was beautiful conversation. It was always to elevate my thinking. Was Nelson Nash. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you literally, I'm telling my words, you literally cannot pay enough life insurance premium when you understand what's going on. Now, I'm not telling anyone to jump, I'm not giving investment advice of any kind. I'm not telling anyone to go out and do anything other than educate yourself. And then once you're educated, you know, then call me. All right. <laughs> I'm just, and I mean that Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, his second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth. You know, the videos that are, that are available at no cost on this, Ryan's Medium blogs. I mean, oh my gosh, there's so much out there and it's so affordable and it's so accessible. You can literally disengage from the noise. And then Nelson used to say, and it's true, you mentioned it, it's, it's, it's akin to putting on noise-canceling headsets, right? Whenever you have access to, when you can control the banking function in your life, it's like, 
and there is nowhere to put that on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. You know, yeah. assign an interest rate to that and si- assign a value to that. You know, how are you going to, and I love these and I say it and I, I want to keep saying it because it's true. Whenever you have a policy designed for an internal rate of return, you know, you're torturing, not you, <clears throat> those policies are tortured. The construct is tortured to make that happen in the now and be damned what is going to happen in the future. Mm. Now, let's don't talk about that, right? Just make a decision based on a tortured illustration to get a high internal rate of return. And I'm just telling you, those internal rates of return are illustrate by fractions compared to a well-designed policy based on yeah. what you're doing. I, I would, They're I would, fractions. I would say this. You can shift the maximum point of the internal rate of return, but you can't across the board increase it. Right? It's not as... Oh, well, you yeah. Can, you can, can shift it to the early years. Right. You can you can accentuate cash value growth early on, but there is a trade off, and it is Absolutely. the it, it is the return in the long run. That's only one. That's only one trade off. There are many trade offs. That's only uh, one. yeah. I'm just okay. saying in terms of the numbers on the page. Okay, right. There's not a way to manipulate things so that the rate of return ac- across the board is up everywhere. Right. It's a matter of emphasis and shifting, which is why I go back to value alignment. You either have a low time preference and you're thinking long term, or you don't. And yep. But yeah, then they add in all the, you know, what happens when dividends change? What happens when you don't pay exactly the amount of premium assumed at the time assumed? You know, what happens with the modified endowment contract status in the future? This going back to where we started, you know, this idea that, well, the, the illustration printed off is not a mech, so the policy is not a mech. Yeah, right now. Um, <laughs> And some some of the guys who know a bit more will refer to this idea of a material change, right? Mech testing happens whenever there's a material change to a policy. Well, what's a material change? Some will say that it's an increase in the death benefit. Some will say that it's a decrease in the death benefit. The IRS doesn't say, okay, a material change from a proper conservative company is any change to a policy. Death benefit goes up. Death benefit goes down. That's it. There's a change. Coverage amounts changing, right? That's a who did who decides that that's material. Okay, well, it's not you. So maybe safe to say that any change is a material change, or at least could be construed that way. And maybe the illustration software and the company's attitude towards the actuarial design of a policy should take that into consideration. Hmm? Wait, hmm. who designed that software illustration? The company. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. What else? Well, it's approaching noon, so I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, well, everybody knows that it's a ribeye, right? Or are you going to cheat? I, don't, I really don't cheat. You don't? You don't consider why cheat? cheating? Why cheat? When the, when the diet is meat, why cheat? What is there to cheat on? I don't know. The stuff that you can add to the meat, like the sweet barbecue sauce? I, I don't know. Who, like, who wants sugar sauce? Uh, what barbecue do you I know, get? I, I saw how much sugar you put in your coffee. So <laughs> maybe you do. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, here, Mister Barbecue Guy. Okay, but oh, I just yeah. fat and the actual meat itself. That's what else do you need? Cook that properly, slowly enough for long enough. <clears throat> yep, I got it. Well, 
There's Fourth lots of protein buy, shops between here and, you know, where you live. Yeah, so. I got to go pick up a suit. I wonder if I go to Fort Worth or Dallas. Uh, okay, listen. Thanks for listening. I had fun. Hope you enjoyed Me it. Me too. See y'all next time. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.